Welcome to the New Vision Podcast. In 2020, a New Vision undercover journalist traveled to United Arab Emirates to investigate the realities of girls traveling to work as maids in Dubai. This time, New Vision got another undercover journalist to go through a licensed company and find out if regulations apply. The project, which took more than a year, reveals hallowing experiences of girls in detention camps in the center of Kampala, unacceptable mistreatment, violation of human rights, corruption, Sex and drugs are going on under the nose of civil leaders and security organizations. We now bring you this series. Download the podcast episodes on Vision Digital Experience app on Play Store and App Store. Episode 4 In September, when our job recruiting boss, Ahmed, fixed me in mega company, I was sure traveling to Saudi Arabia was a matter of days. He had assured me that Mega was a Saudi company which sources out employers and deploys girls to work without passing through bureaucracies like the Ministry of Gender for Clearance. He said Mega just takes girls and even pays them a monthly salary of 1.2 million shillings as they waited for job openings. It keeps the girls in Riyadh the way Zayed was keeping us in a hostel in Tuba, Kulambido. I gave him 400,000 shillings and waited excitedly to be called. By the two weeks he promised me elapsed and soon, it became a month. Then too, Ahmed remained elusive, saying he was working on it. I became suspicious and mobilized the other girls who had also paid and we stormed the office. We were told to come down. One of the girls, Rosetti, came into hostel after sitting for her senior four exam. Had problems explaining to her mother that she didn't eat the money she gave her to pay in order to travel. We accompanied her to demand for a refund from Ashraf, one of the Arab's owners of the company we were in, and he referred us to Ahmed. But the receptionist, known as Gloria, refused to allow us in to see Ahmed. When I told Ashraf, Ahmed's colleague, about it, he told me my name and Omega had progressed in the system and that I was about to be called. He showed me in the system how I was already booked in by the mega company in Saudi and cleared for a visa. I saw my passport picture on the screen with some words which were written in Arabic. He said the information was that I was going to work for a workforce company as a cleaner. We were about eight girls mega was planning to take. I come down and briefed my supervisor accordingly. One of the staff came to the hostel and asked us to be patient because most of the passports were still at the ministry. He said the ministry was delaying to clear the passports and Ahmed was looking for someone to bribe so the passports could move. As you know, Uganda, you must have Kintuki Dogo to be worked on. We are trying to find someone in the ministry because 
We have one at the embassy. All will soon be okay, he noted. He advised us not to demonstrate again because violence attracts police. About a week later, those who remained in Zion started going to Saudi. Abuses came to read names which had been cleared to travel. About 50 names were read, including ours who had subscribed to Mega. We all went to the office for pre-departure briefing. While there, Ahmed divided us in two groups. The first group of 49 girls traveled on October 9th and the second group, 31 girls, traveled on October 15th. None of us, the mega group was on any of the traveling lists. Other 50 girls were to follow on November 9th and another 27 on November 25th. The mega people remained stranded. In December, three batches of girls left for Riyadh on 11th, 18th and 22nd. I and my mega group were not taken. Soon, we were hit by a thunderbolt. The mega promise was a scam. What Ashraf showed me was fake. It was a lie. My name was never in the company system. When I approached Ahmed, he explained that the company I was supposed to work for, Workforce Company, had been suspended. Ahmed said one of the migrant workers in the company was a Kenyan. They kept selling her to different homes until she complained to the Ministry of Labor in Kenya. When the Kenyan authorities complained, the company was suspended by Saudi Arabian authorities pending investigations. By the time I asked you to pay, the company was still working, but after handing in the money, it was suspended. Please, bear with me. We hope they will plead their case and be reinstated, but if you're impatient, you can change the program and I find you another good company. He suggested. Again, he suggested that I don't tell the others. I agreed to be given another company and Ahmed changed me again to one he said belonged to his boss. Riot in Saudi. He bragged how he found a person in the Ministry of Gender, Labor and Social Development to work for him on clearances. The procedure was that all traveling girls for Cheyo had to be cleared by the ministry. Ahmed said the more amount of bribe you pay to the people in the ministry, the more number of names they cleared for travel. He said his contact, whom he called Joseph Segawa, had assured him his girls would now not take long pending clearance and that my name would be cleared as soon as it appeared for me to travel in the last days of November. However, this involved another round of filling forms and taking pictures. Lyra took my pictures again, filled in all my details, the CV, and gave them to Majid. Majid is the one who sends them to Saudi, so they are put on market for interested employers. He also promised to have my 400,000 refunded. 
This was after I had informed him that according to the regulations of the employment, recruitment of Uganda migrant workers of 2021, a recruitment agency may charge a migrant worker a fee not exceeding 20,000 shillings for the administrative work only. Because of this, one of the girls on Mega got back her money, less by 50,000 shillings, which they said had been used in the process. Meanwhile, life at the hostel in Tuba, Kulambido, was as humbling as it was frustrating. Poor feeding, bad hygiene and lack of amenities were luring frustrated girls into sex with casual men for money. Although we were supposed to stay clear of pregnancies, STDs and HIV, the place turned into some brothel very fast. Neighbours and Elsie's petitioned police who put up pressure to have the hostel closed. The office, I think, was also running out of money to look after us. They must have been frustrated by delayed documentation because there was no way they would have gathered us here if they had no reasonable hope of ferrying us out. I was right. The administrators, Agnes Nangendo, Ashraf Kaiwa, Rosetti and Christem came ordered those of us who had no passport or had not done medical to go home. They also asked those who had fully registered and were staying nearby to go back home and wait for a phone call. The hostel conditions were horrible, but you should have seen how girls pleaded to stay. Some said they had run away from their husbands. Others say they had bank loans and feared to be arrested and others still that they had sold their homes. Where did these people expect them to return to? Even as the administrators wanted to decrease the hostel population, agents were bringing in new members. I tried to inquire where the company gets all the money to feed us and I was told it was sent by the owner of the recruitment company back in Saudi Arabia, which was responsible for gathering us. His name was said to be Riyad. He is believed to be the owner of Zion Worldwide Placements Limited. Ahmed, who had become my friend, revealed that the random number of girls in the hostel was also frustrating him, that he was failing to get the quantity of food needed to support us that he would wait until his boss in Saudi Arabia sends him money, which was being transferred through an account belonging to a Ugandan he didn't reveal. Apart from food, administrators, utilities and the matron, the expense of running the hostel was minimal. We cooked for ourselves in groups of about three to four, with each group cooking per day. On Sundays, we would have meat for supper, when it was a meat day, the hostel would be on fire during food serving. Many girls would want to have two plates. Others would fight, crawl with cooks, alleging that they were being served bones or litter. One day, one of the girls collapsed in the evening hours. 
We carried her to Tuba Medical Center and the nurse said it was hunger. But paying the bill was also a problem. Rosetti, the administrator, demanded to know why we took her to the medical center without permission. She ordered whoever escorted the patient to contribute and clear the bills. When Ahmed came, he gave her the money for transport and she left for her home in Mbalala, Mokono. Most of the girls were swallowing family planning pill but still, some got pregnant. Ahmed told me he was baffled that in the December 22nd batch that left for Saudi Arabia, about four of the girls were found pregnant during the pre-departure medical. But I was told the recruitment company loses money when a girl who is already cleared fails a test because replacement takes years. By the time one does that medical, we were told the visa, air ticket and COVID-19 PCR tests are all ready. That medical is always done in less than five days before travel date, except for COVID, which is done a day before traveling. So, it is said that Rosetti forced them to do abortions and the center was bribed to test them again. In less than a week, after abortion, the girls traveled. But, on arrival in Saudi, the same tests were done and to their surprise, they tasted positive for pregnancy and were deported. The size there was confusing. Maybe their pregnancy hormones were still present. In that same group, another girl who had tested negative for pregnancy was found pregnant and deported. Ahmed was not amused. He threatened to expel whoever was seen with men around Kulambido. He brought new guards at the gate, yet it was the guards who were doing the impregnating. In the next group that traveled on January 3rd, three girls were again found pregnant on pre-departure medical. They all came from Richard the same agent who had brought me to the hostel. Rumor came that Ahmed had asked Richard to withdraw his girls because he was tired of making losses. That, unfortunately, included me. Meanwhile, our Arab boss, Ahmed, was not refunding the 400,000 shillings he had taken from us for the botched medical deal. In November, Girls who had paid stormed his office demanding for a refund. Leira and Gloria, the Ugandan administrators for the Arab owners, refused us to see him. Majid, the other Arab working for Ahmed, came out shouting in Arabic things we did not understand but which certainly seemed to be abusers. With gestures, he ordered us out of the office premises. I wondered if these Arabs can be this arrogant outside the country. How about when we find them in their country? We refused to bulge and shouted back demanding respect. Pfizer, a young security man guarding the office, was called and ordered to throw us out. He, instead, started pleading with us to leave or he would lose his job. Because of Faisal, we agreed and left. 
We then started mobilizing for a demonstration. But Ahmed learned about it and brought in new security guards who also closed the gate. This infuriated the girls into spontaneous violence. Raging with fury, they attacked the guards and even broke down the gate. They then proceeded to Ahmed's office in the previous hostel building and demanded their money back or the truth about their travel. Majid threatened to call police and the girls dared him to. He even tried to hit one of the girls and the angry team threatened to leech him if he tried it. Then he said he would disqualify the ringleaders from their visa process, but it didn't help. It was Ahmed who showed up and calmed down the situation. He got out papers and read out names of those who had got visas. But we later learned that the list was fake. Tomorrow, suspicions jab, fake documents and virtual slavery.